on the phone. It's on right now. Hold on, I'm getting something. It's starting right now. No, it's been going for 10 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Oh, man. It's cold outside, everybody. You know what? Let's do the start of this right. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> if I don't see you. Oh, but okay. Um, hello, welcome to our little Flint City Book Club, where we read books, and we read books because we want to grow in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus, as he developed into a mature person, he grew his mind, he grew his his perception, he grew his understanding, and we know of one, no greater reading than uh, reading. No, no greater way to do this by reading. So we read books together. This, this year we're reading 12 books over 12 months. We're, today we're finishing up The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. So, we're going to talk about these chapters. What's in them? Um, we're gonna just, I mean, it's kind of like footnotes, cliff notes. We're going to do the cliff notes, you know. Um, my phone, how's my phone ringing? You, who's calling? In the middle of my dealio. Stop it. Okay, just ignore it. it. My pocket was vibrating. Okay. So, we'll start in chapter 10. Now, this book is a book about spiritual disciplines. It's about um, activities, actions, practices, habits that we make part of our lives. And these habits don't automatically make us grow closer to Jesus. What this is, is it's tilling, it's tilling the soil. That's all you're doing. You're, you're, you're saying, I want to grow, I want to grow a strawberry. And so you till, wait, strawberries grow out of the ground? They do. <laughs> okay, I'm making sure I'm not crazy at this. So you till up the ground, you, you, you get a hoe, and you, you scrape it up, you know, and you, you put some you mulch down or something. I don't know how to garden at all. But um, you put some compost, you sneak in, you know, have animals defecate in the area. Oh my and then you put these seeds down, and you cover them with dirt, and you put water on it, and the sun shines on it. And then the plant grows. You can't make the plant grow. You can't will that plant to exist. I can't make I can't make my heart change. I can't will it towards some new thing. But I can I can create good soil, a good earth for the Lord to do work in me and on me. And you do the same for your life too. So we do these things called spirit disciplines, these holy habits, if you will. Today we're chapter ten. We're chapter ten, the habit of secrecy. Now these last four chapters are very different than the ones that came before it. The, the initial ones were very straightforward, like prayer, fasting, silence, and solitude. Very concrete examples of an action you would take. These ones today are kind of like almost philosophies of life. Mm -hmm. And there's practical things you can do with the philosophy, but the philosophy is the stronger piece. So, chapter 10, we begin with secrecy. Secrecy. Now, these chapters all begin with kind of a problem, and then he solves the problem. Here's a problem, here's the bad thing, and then how do we stop the bad thing from happening? So, we begin, chapter 10, with something called a pr approval addiction. Um, that's a very, very... Uh, 
I forgot he wrote about this, babe. Um, yeah. I um, have been reading about this more and more as I, as I get older. Um, I said before that for a long time, uh, money was the great desire of people. That was like, I do things for money. I steal to get money. I, I, I lie to get money. I do things to get money. But the, the spirit of our you? age, the spirit of our age is, uh, is fame, mm -hmm. approval. Attention. Um, there's so much talk of, of, in teenagers, the lives of teenagers, about like cell phones and the, um, the what cell phones do to teens, and a lot of teens, the reality of FOMO, the fear of missing out, mm -hmm. how some teens feel, if they see their friends do something, they're not invited, they feel this sense of just not being a part of the in crowd, they feel the outside, and how many people, everyone wants to be like, liked, and how powerful that desire is to be liked. Look at Facebook, we're on Facebook right now. If you like someone's post, you hit like, and man, to see how many likes you got on a post is a powerful thing. And so it talks about approval addiction, that we, inside of us, we have this thing that wants to be approved. We want to be, yeah, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Babe, you have a thought? Um, no, I just, um, he talks about the primary symptom is a tendency to confuse our performance in some aspect of life with our worth as a person. And that's the danger of it, of course, is that, you know, it's not bad to, you know, necessarily to want to be affirmed, but it can become an idol if that's, if that's what we are building our uh, identity and our feelings of self-worth on how other people perceive us. Or then he goes into also that it's not even necessarily how they perceive us, it's how we perceive that they're perceiving us. And that it becomes this thing where we start to feel like we're not worth loving or we don't have, we're useless if we don't have people noticing and approving of what we're doing. And so, of course, the antidote is to ground our identity and our self-worth in who we are in Christ and not in anything that we do or what anyone thinks of us. I want to stop right here and do this. Babe, that, that'll preach. Wow. Thanks. Um, it's true. Um, that, um, man, I don't know. You said it. You said it so well. I don't know how to add to it. Um, hand claps coming in. <laughs> um, grounding our identity in the approval of others, is, it, it'll kill us, whether it's mm -hmm. our families, our spouse, our kids. Because the thing is, like, whether it, it can go either way, it can become unhealthy. Whether it's like um, we feel good, you know, when people like us and, and then basing that feeling of self-worth on other people's approval or our, our achieving things to earn that, then there's this fear, like, what if I let them down? Right. You know, and so, and then on the other side, you know, if, if you do, then it's like, or you feel like people don't like you, you don't get enough likes or enough whatever on your post, then you get depressed, like nobody cares. And it's this, it's just, it's a, it's a trap and it's, it's a lot of lies. And so we have to just ground ourselves in that truth of who we are in Christ. I encourage you to read this chapter. If you battle with approval addiction, um, there's, a, there's a little bit in this chapter. There's more in, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of books I can recommend. Um, by Timothy Keller and Richard Foster about this very issue, if you want to do deeper reading in it. But um, 
Ortberg suggests that secrecy is a way to battle this in your own self, this desire you might have to win the approval of others, this, this need you have to be validated by other people's opinions. You can help fight that and kill that by intentionally doing things in secret, that, that, the, your, that some of your goodness, your good deeds, your spiritual, um, some of you do to grow spiritually, doing these things not for a blog, not to brag, but doing them between you and the Lord, doing them because you know it's good and right, not because you want someone to see and celebrate it. Secrecy does, it kills pride, but that last week it kills pride. It also, secrecy can help to blunt the desire for appro uh, for approval addiction. You had that one? Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that chapter? So again, this, this, these, these chapters are much more like abstract, abstract than, yeah. than the, the ones we, that came before it. Uh, so moving into chapter 11, an undivided life, reflecting on Scripture. An undivided life, reflecting on Scripture. Want to read the quote at the beginning of that chapter, babe? There's two. Read the Kierkegaard quote, because I love Kierkegaard. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Soren the Kierkegaard the Dane says, purity of heart is to will one thing. So his problem he um, talks about in this chapter is one of double-mindedness. Holy cow. You know, reading this, I did feel some conviction. Um, as an American, we are um, we're a time-oriented culture, mm -hmm. a task-oriented culture, um, which means like, um, so on a given day, it's like if I go to, uh, I got to get 10 things done today. And so I, I work, the task matters. Um, whereas like in Latin America, for example, um, it's a more of a people-oriented culture versus a task-oriented culture. And so on a church on Sunday, um, you don't have like an hour, hour, 15 minutes. You go until it's done. So someone comes in, um, they might come in late, but they'll go and greet everyone in the church before they sit down because if they didn't, that would be rude and hurt relationships. And that's a normal, reality, real thing. In India, uh, a place I'm going to be visiting very, very soon, it's a very people-oriented culture. In America, we are very task-oriented, time-oriented. Um, with that said, we are the king of multitasking. Mm -hmm. We talked about hurry uh, last week. This is something we do as Americans. And for me, multitasking is, it's awful. I, I will, and the thing is, I can't yell at my kids because the kids learn, like, to quote the old 80s commercial, right? I learned it from watching you. That's what, kids will turn on TV and have an, uh, a book or an iPad in their laps. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I wasn't going to turn the TV on while I'm working on something. I multitask. I'll turn on a sh have a TV show, a show playing in the background, in the living room, and a radio playing in the kitchen. We are multi, and like I have to find ways to stop being this way. Because when I try to work on a sermon, if my mind is going a hundred ways, I can't give myself to think truly on the topic at hand. James says, "A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways," and double-mindedness is a real problem. For us, we our lives are very are very divided. We're going a hundred different directions at once. And the thing about going a hundred different directions at once is when you're 
if you're going, if you're, if you're starting in the middle and I'm going this way a little bit, then this way a little bit, and this way a little bit, I don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't go anywhere. I'm just full of starts and stops, little starts and stops. Um, to quote Eugene Peterson's incredible title of a book, sometimes we need a long obedience in the same direction. That requires something different. Mm -hmm. um, so he talks about double-mindedness. And, and he looks double-mindedness, uh, he, he kind of looks the antidote for that is simplicity. Simplicity is the antidote for double-mindedness, is, um, is having like a focus, having the focus mm -hmm. actually in, in view. Purity of heart is the will one thing. So I need to, as Jesus once said to us very, very clearly, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. That priority puts the rest of life into focus. Um, so he says simplicity is important, and the only way to get simplicity is to reflect on the scriptures. Now, there's a lot of things to do. Simplicity is a very big idea. This affects, whew, man, this affects a lot of things. I can't go into all the things. Right, babe? Right. Because it can affect, it's like what it's, you buy and how you spend your time and what you choose for entertainment and hobbies. I mean, there's a lot involved in it. But it's, yeah, it's really just trying to keep that singular focus. And I think part of the reason scripture, like meditating on scripture is one of the ways to combat it is because like they've seen, they've done studies, you know, on how distractible we are. And that, you know, if, if you get, if you look at your phone and you get distracted by a bunch of things, like our, our minds are being rewired by all yes, of that are. distraction. And so you have to like actively force yourself to slow your mind and center down and like when it talks about actually, you know, meditating or taking one verse throughout the day, it's like you, you can't meditate fast. Like there are things that you can do. You can, <laughs> you can, you know, take, take, you know, listen to scripture while you're driving and doing other things. And that's great. But at some point you have to like grab a hold of your brain and get it to just focus, um, to learn, to rewire your brain, to think that way, to be able to focus on that singular purpose. You can't meditate fast, but that's that's <laughs> the quote right of the day right there, yo. Um, the, uh, yesterday we were at the house and my son was talking to me. I looked at my phone. Now there was no text that came through. There was no email. I just wanted to look to see did I miss anything. I looked, and I missed what my boy was telling to me, and it really frustrated him. He was like, "Why don't you ever listen to me?" Um. Focusing on the scripture is important for our minds because it helps ground our brain in something that is, that is, that is on the ground. That is that is that is foundational. Um, so this is not the only practice that helps with uh, simplicity, but it is a practice, and I love that. So I tend to be a big idea guy. Um, I love reading through the book of like I read through James every day for a week, you know that kind of stuff. But the idea of taking one verse in a day and just reflecting on it all day. I mean, we've been doing a thing as a church where we've been reading the Proverbs. So every morning I listen to the um, Proverbs um, being read aloud. And sometimes a verse in a proverb will catch me. It'll, ju it'll just hit me right. It'll just kind of bounce off my head in a, in a goofy way, in a, in a good way. i got to start grabbing those and just holding on to them for the day and just thinking about them. Like, why did, why did it hit me so funny? What is God trying to tell me? What's going on here? Reflection, meditation, that focusing of the mind on the truth of God is a powerful, powerful thing. Um, 
And he touched a little bit on, um, he says in the, in the section about memorizing scripture too, that it just like any other spiritual discipline, it's a means to an end. And I think right. a lot of times because we're such a goal oriented culture, we start to be like, okay, I have to do all of these disciplines. This is going to, you know, these are the things I need to do. And we can start to be like, okay, I need to get through this book or I need to read, you know, however many minutes or, you know, instead of recognizing and keeping in mind that these are the tools and these are like, the goal is not to read through Proverbs even, you know, or whatever the Bible reading plan is. Like these are tools to draw us closer to our father. Amen. And so we need to be careful not to get like bogged down in, in the tasks and like memorizing scripture is great because then as you're going throughout your life, throughout your day, scripture comes to mind. It's not just to be able to like check it off. Like I memorized so many verses. It's so that it's really rooted in your heart and comes to mind throughout your life. Amen. Um, Man, babe, that was really, really good. Okay. Chapter 12. Life with a well-ordered heart, developing a rule of life. Of all of them, this may be the most idea, big idea one. I mean, even more than 13. Yeah, way more. So every chapter has kind of a problem and then a solution. The problem in this one is... Um, it's not even a. It's, it's, this was a weird chapter. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna give the guy. A, he's like balance is good, but it's not everything. It's not not nothing, but it's not everything. And balance is cool, but you know what's better than balance is a well balanced heart, yo. And I'm like, okay, dude, just say what you're trying to say. And then he says, um, if you don't have a plan, you're not gonna have victory. So create a spiritual roadmap for yourself to kind of grow. A rule of life. That's what he's saying, yeah, babe? It's, yeah, it's basically just put the things in your routine that you that are important for your growth because otherwise life is chaos and it's just going to run away with your time. So, you ha yeah, you just have to set things in place and make them part of your routine, basically. I heard a sermon once uh, by a pastor who was a mentor of mine who currently is not in ministry because he blew his life up because he's an idiot. Um, but anyways, a little too strong. <laughs> Sorry, I, a lot of my mentors have blown their life up, and it makes me sad. And I make and sad. I use it. I turn to anger because I'm a butt. Okay, anyways, sorry. Back to what I was saying. I heard a pastor once say, uh, "It was life changing for me." He said, "If you want things to be part of your life, you got to put them in your calendar. And you got to you got to treat it like it's law." It's not going to move or slide because I'll put a meeting down with someone and I'll treat that as this thing I can't, as this unchangeable reality. I can't be lit, I can't let them down. But then it comes to like things like time with the Lord or time with the kids. Those things are just kind of like I'll fit it in when I got time. So, so the things we say we want the most in life are the things that are getting like pushed around by all, all like the tyranny of the urgent comes to define our life instead of having a plan. So, in my life, and I've said this, I've said this so many times in so many places. I have built in some rules of life, some habits that help give keep my life on the rails. I walk my dog every morning. Walking. It's my brain is turning on. It's powering up. I'm walking. You know, getting some exercise. I listen to the Bible when I walk. And I listen to the Bible it out loud and it's good for my soul. And all these things are part of my everyday daily routine. Now, Tying these things together, tying, and when the scripture is done being read, I go radio silent and reflect on what has been read. 
And so, so I have built into my mornings exercise, scripture, and silence. And I also have creation in there. Walking around. Listen, mm -hmm. this morning was a tough morning. Walk. <laughs> it, was, it was like two degrees out there, negative two with the wind chill. It was brutal. That's a rule of life that I have. Now, another rule of life I put, in, I put on my calendar so it doesn't get away from me is I stinking go to the gym two times a week. And I last few months I've been real last month I've been real bad about it. I give it away to anybody that needs it. I'm like, oh man, this person needs help. So I just cross off the gym and give it to somebody else. And I'm like, I can't do this. I gotta get in there and become a sweaty mess. So today I go to the gym and then after the gym I go and do some more work, which is gonna be awesome and bad. I'll do, I'll, do, I'll do legs at the gym and I'll do upper body at when he, he had to unload water day at, at five o'clock. <laughs> unload water <laughs> for the pantry. Anyways, rule of life. I had a buddy of mine. His rule of life is every day at work during lunch break. He went out to his car, had his lunch in his car, and he would read his scriptures and he'd pray. That was for him. It was this daily habit of his that kept him connected to the Lord. And we have all the, I have a rule of life with me and Angie. We just have it that every Monday we have a meal together. These are rules of life. Because life, we went out, we went years without a date night. <laughs> years! We had a few in there, just not a right, not No, a maybe one basis. every like four, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, we, we like, man, we've been out on a date long. Now we make sure every stinking week we go out. You know, sometimes we share a meal. We'll just, because we don't spend a lot of money, but we want to go out together, have time just to sit across from one another and just talk and, and just debrief. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We debrief together. Um, what are your rules of life? Do you, I mean, what do you need to put in your calendar as non-negotiable? Um, is it morning, afternoon, evening? Is it prayer or journaling or walking or meditating or memorizing scripture? What are the things that fill you up with the Lord? Make them part of your part of your routine. That's great. Listen, I'm building it in my routine. Um, a day of um, like real reflection every month. Just a day to kind of just stop, take note. I mean, just what do you have as a rule of life for yourself? So that's chapter twelve. Go ahead, I Andy. also yeah. like that he points out that the again the balance, the routine, whatever you want to call it, is not the goal. It's a means to an end, and he talks about how we are not just living for ourselves so there's there's a greater purpose and that will get dwarfed by everything else if we don't keep it front and center and so it's just this this idea that you like we have a purpose we're living for something bigger than ourselves and so you can't just let life run away with your time and your energy you have to be um, intentional and that um, yeah you have to have some kind of balance or whatever you want to call it so that the important things can happen. And, and to go off what you said just now, I'm not like, the, uh, I'm not a super Christian because I walk my dog and listen to the Bible. I don't do this and think to myself, I'm better than everybody else. If I do these things, God will like me and give me blessing. No, I do these things because I long for him. And I must keep the why front and ready. Mm. The why matters. And I, if I... Sometimes when you do something over and over again, you lose the why, and it becomes this like weird, legalistic like, um, and you start feeling proud about it. Or you hate doing it. The why, like I know why, the dog needs to be walked. She's gotta go potty. 
It's not gonna. Ha I'm gonna walk the dog at some point. So putting in the mornings, the tying the, the walking of the dog to the other habits has been a great thing in life. Um, so I loved the George Bernard Shaw quote in here. I laughed out loud when I read it. It's it a good quote, babe. This, this is the true joy in life. And he says, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. And he's just talking about, you know, this. it's not, it's not all about you. We need to devote ourselves to this greater purpose. Chapter 13. A life of endurance. So, in this, the, pro the problem with this chapter is is a uh, not it, it just it's not really a problem. It's just like a, a goal. It's about perseverance. Mm -hmm. It's about finishing the race well. You know, I, I said something, I made a, a really uh, inappropriate, un, un, uncouth joke a little bit, little bit ago about people not making ministry. But here's the reality of things: I'm 42 years old. I've had five or six mentors in my life. Many of my pastoral mentors are no longer in ministry. Most of the older men that I look to to give me leadership have uh, shipwrecked their life. Not many finish well. That, that just got real, real heavy real quick. How do we finish well? Because anyone can start well. You know what it is? Life is a Stephen King movie. Great openings, <laughs> decent middles, and terrible endings. How do we finish well? How do we land the stinking plane? And he's, his, his uh, suggestion in the book is, he says, we finish well by learning to endure. We have to hold on. And we learn to endure by enduring suffering. He says the very act of enduring suffering um, puts us in um, fellowship and communion with our Lord Jesus Christ who mm -hmm. walked in suffering and learned to suffer like he suffered. Suffering well, suffering graciously, suffering in hope, suffering in faith. Suffering when we don't hear answered prayer. Suffering when we're confused. Learn to suffer in these ways. It completes our faith. It, it strengthens our connection to the Lord. Um, and you learn how to endure this. He tells the story of Abraham uh, in the chapter. And it's one of my favorite stories of Abraham. Kierkegaard once said that Abraham, when he, when he brought Isaac to the Mount Moriah to offer him up as a sacrifice, Kierkegaard said that Abraham took a leap of faith. That's a, that's a famous phrase, a leap of faith. He leapt into the dark. He trusted the Lord when he had no reason to. And I, I never liked that. Kierkegaard's a smart man. Kierkegaard the Dane is a stud, and I love him. But I'm like, brother, Abraham is not making a leap into the dark. Abraham has met God and God has come through in a hundred small ways. Mm -hmm. So Abraham knows God has come through in these hundred of small ways. I'm going to trust him with this big thing. And enduring the many trials he had gone through helped him trust God in a large trial. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, 
endure, Christian. Um, take, I'll quote Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Life is not about how hard you can hit, but about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Because nothing hits harder than life. Um, we endure. With the Lord, we take hits and we endure. This is the Christian life. It's we're going to take hits we can't imagine. Um, Ange, your thoughts, baby? Um, just the one section where he talks about loneliness. And um, he said, one of the most painful aspects of suffering is the loneliness of it. Others may offer support or empathy, but no one can walk the road to Mariah in our place. And I think that's so true. And it's so important in those moments to remember that, that God is there with us. And I think of um, another aspect of Abraham's story when Hagar um, says that she basically calls God the God who sees um, because he doesn't forget her. And we just have to remember what's true and that, that the Lord is there with us, that he sees um he sees the things that we endure and like you said it's it's the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings like we are um we have an opportunity in those hard times to learn to die to ourselves and to be made more like jesus but it's a hard road and just so you know in case you didn't hear what you said dying means dying dying is hard This is a good book, you guys. I hope as you've read it, you've grabbed a few of the disciplines, a few of the habits, and said, you know what, I want to make some of these habits a part of my journey. For next month, we have we have released the entire uh, ten next 12, 11 months on our website. Go to flintcitychurch.com, and on the front page, you will see a little button that says book list. You can download it and look and see all the books. For February, starting tomorrow, we're starting this book called let Justice Run Roll Down by John Perkins. John Perkins is a civil rights leader who loves Jesus. This is going to be a hard book for many of us. It's about the black experience in America. And some of us, for some reason, we don't like talking about racial realities. Um, especially some of my, sometimes some of my, my white brothers and sisters are like, I don't see color. Um, color exists, it does. And... Um, People have had very different experiences because of their color. And John Perkins is one such man. He talks about his, his, uh, what he experienced at the hands of, of racial violence. It's about the bitterness that his heart went through and then what God did to free him from that. It's a powerful, powerful story we're going to read next month. Hope that you join us in that. I will have at church on Sunday, I'll have like 10 of these for sale. <gasps> 10 buckaroos, baby! Making no money. Just I just thought... If you don't want to go to the bookstore, you don't want to do with Amazon, I'll have it right here, 10 copies on church on Sunday. Booyah! So, that's coming up. Um, I'm looking forward to our, our little thing. I'm, I'm working on a way to kind of, we can get questions better, so we can answer questions and stuff from the from people. And try to figure out how to do the format the best for the book club. We're going to figure out, we're going to keep on tweaking it and, and tweaking and twerking it. I don't know if that's the wrong word. Tweaking and um, tightening it, but... Uh, I want to do that. So with that said, everyone, have a great, great Tuesday afternoon. It's 1233. We are outsies. Peace. Yeah. I don't know how to say this. Okay.